You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Well, we thank you guys for joining us for another Land and Legacy podcast. This is your host, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. And we are live and on location today. Whoop, whoop. We'll talk about the location here in a little bit. But first off... You guys have probably seen some stuff. You may you may be listening to us on um, Nine Finger Chronicles RSS feed. Um, you may just see some of our activity on their page and vice versa. This is just another reminder that in the coming two weeks, two weeks, two yeah. weeks, we are going to be completely switching to the Nine Finger Chronicles RSS feed, and we're no longer going to be. In our normal location. That sounds like a TV channel. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> so we are going to be switching over there so that you guys need to go ahead, if you're not already, go ahead and start shifting over there. Subscribing and, uh, to subscribing to his feed. stuff, liking his page. Yep. And uh, and if you don't if and if you haven't already liked our page, go ahead and give it a like, hopefully. Yeah. Um, you're and late. Us, shoot us some questions. Overdue. That's honestly one of our favorite parts is getting the questions and hearing about each person's problem and, and trying to find a solution to help them out. That's that's honestly one of my most favorite things about this whole job, I guess, is is hearing people's problems or their little something that's going on in their property and then trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes it always takes a little tweaking here and there. Like oxymoron, but, but sometimes it always yeah. – it almost always takes a new set of eyeballs um, to figure out the – the solution so um yeah so go ahead and start getting ready to make that shift over there and find out or and be joining us at the nine finger chronicles rss feed on itunes um right now they're transitioning all of our older stuff but two weeks our our current fresh stuff is going to be there so you're going to want to switch over and um we're excited because we're joining forces with with um dan and and his podcast and listeners, it's going to be a um, great transition. Just wanted to make the reminder and thank everyone for listening each week. It's awesome. You're talking about feedback and and hearing back from people um, each week about what we're talking about and just adding to that. And we're just we're thankful for, for everyone to be listening and commenting, liking, sharing, this and that. It's just fun to see it. It's it encouraging to, grow. to both of us. Oh my gosh! To continue yeah. doing it each week, we um, and finding we look forward to doing this each week. This is not yeah. one of those things like ah, oh, we gotta do a podcast. It's like sweet podcast day, and and most of the time we always almost struggle to 
figure out what we're going to talk about because we have so many topics. Yeah. And then somebody might throw in a curveball and say, hey, what about this? And, like, and it's oh, like, oh, we do need to talk about that. Great idea. So um, this is a good chance for Matt and I to get together and talk without our wives trying to hush us. <laughs> I was going to say, we're always together. And, yeah, we get like that. It was last night we got the boot. They had their little side conversation, and we're trying to have our own other one. And We have to sidebar a lot. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway, um, th- so now we've covered that. You're going to go ahead and start making the shift over. Now we're at a new location for a podcast today. Big for, announcement. For uh, the time being. I don't know how often we'll be here recording, but but we're here today. We are going into real estate. For Mossy Oak Properties of the Heartland. And Matt's in the office. I came down here. Matt's finished up. I'm still working on it. Um, Coming soon, hopefully. And we are going to be selling real estate um, for Mossy Oak Properties of the Heartland out of five counties here in southern Missouri. Yes, Uh, we are. I don't know. It was just kind of a timing thing where it was like, you know, uh, Brian... Uh, approached us and and said there was a new office opening up. He was wanting to form an office, start an office down here in Branson, and it was just a good timing for us to spend some days in the week, uh, of the week in the office, and it allows us to see more land and meet more landowners. And, and I was I was talking to someone the other day, and it's like, wait, you guys are doing real estate? Kind of, I guess, why? Well, honestly, if anyone's listened to the podcast, they know how much we love land, working with land. This is just another I, I feature. I think they have an idea, yeah. but they don't really truly know. <laughs> it's true. It's kind of like, wow, they're well, how passionate. bright's the sun? Well, yeah. how much do you love land? Like, yeah. you really don't know, but it's yeah. a lot. Yeah. So this is just this is another way for us to be able to have our hands on it. And, and we know how much we love land. If people are out there looking to buy land, we want to help them find the right property that suits their needs. And then, in addition, help them convert that property and make additions and make some um, enhancements to it to meet their goals. Every property has the right person out there to buy. And, you know, I was talking with them the other – I can't remember who it was, but it's like you don't need to sell land. Land sells itself. Like it's just the right buyers out there. It's just a matter of finding them. And that's exciting for, for, me, for us. What I like is is having a, a, a landowner have us out and we look at their property. And they're looking at it from a – let's just keep it simple and say they're looking at it as an apple and it's really an orange. Mm-hmm. And it's appreciating it for being an orange. Yep. And I hope that's a simple analogy that gives a pretty good idea. Like you want to turn this into a, a cattle property? Well, honestly, this is a dynamite quail property and a cattle property Mm -hmm. it's the best of both worlds or it's a timber property and you want to they're looking at it as trying to turn it into an ag field and you're like yeah no come on like (laughs) there's a and and finding ways to make income that's kind of been our thing is mm -hmm. a lot of clients are toying ideas and they say wow i'll I'll gladly have you back or i'll buy your dinner you you saved me thousands of dollars exactly and that's a big part of what we do because we come from that background of managing on budgets and, oh, yeah. and weighing out and prioritizing what do we need to do to improve this but not, frankly, not end Break up getting bank. divorced yeah. because I spent all the money we had or exactly. not go broke and lose it to the bank because of that. So 
that's a big reason why the real estate's a great option for us and and we're so pumped up to be doing it and we can't wait to see what that what the future holds for that yeah so but don't think we're going anyway with podcasts no we're gonna be here or, forever or consulting this is just an added an added feature to to what we can do and offer and and it's gonna be awesome i mean it it just makes sense for us to get into it um and hopefully if you if you know anybody in southwest missouri that's needing property that has property they want to list or sell let us know reach out to us and, and we'll contact them and in addition if you know someone who's looking for that right property down here whether it's hunting lake stuff um, a farming operation cattle you name it reach out we'd love to set them up and okay find that right place so we knocked that out now what's up next hit list yeah it is 2017 august 24th it's your birthday hey i gotta make that i, I, I had to make it very clear like okay i wasn't dude, forgetting when are you gonna you? mention this i wasn't come on come now. on i want to toot it right here toot that horn that big old 30 horns just honking yeah oh man 30 how does yeah. it feel it doesn't feel like any different than any other day, to be honest with you look no, me in really, the eyes and tell me i'll tell you that <laughs> right now um it was like well when we prayed at lunch and you mentioned my birthday i kind of like looked up for a second i was like oh yeah it is my birthday oh that's right Darn it. Um, but yeah, you're uh, in, you you were in your 30s. I'm in my 30s, not quite yet. Uh, seven. I th- I don't even remember when I was born. I think it was in the afternoon. So, oh. but I'm 30 now. So let's just put that behind us. All right. On Happy birthday to Adam. Yeah. Um, but the hit list. It's late August. By now, most of us have got had cameras running for probably several months, and we've built up an inventory of the bucks on our property. And Matt and I wanted to take some time and talk about the hit listers that are on our property and kind of uh, some of their past the history, history with them and how we're going to plan our attack, if you will. Uh, first off, always got to start with the home property. Um, the home property is my family farm, but it's also my, my lease, which is the Prairie Hollow property. It's just 900 acres all, all conjoining right there. So it, it hunts like the same. We share There's a lot of the same bucks on both of them. And, and actually, right now, several of the hit listers are on the Prairie Hollow property. But as we get into it, you'll realize that a lot of them spend most of the fall on my exactly. family farm. And that's kind of all of the approach. Um, no, so, target number one for me, do you got something you well, want to Well, I was just going to gonna say, I, I think as everyone's starting to adjust and, and you know get in the mind frame of hit list, what we want to do today is have your have your mind thinking about your la- your past encounters with them what have you seen over the past couple of years and whether it's an encounter of what your trail cameras picked up picked up from opening of season to the end of season where they've been where they you've been documenting them at what you've seen them do because a lot of times that historical data can be used and very useful for the upcoming season We're i think talk that's about some that. of the best information you can have for sure um, we talk about i mean you you hear um most recent information stuff thrown out there but mm-hmm. to me it's the historical information about a buck that helps me almost more than the i would rather take it, last fall's patterns and activity over the last week's activity yeah um, and so and and here here's why real quick because especially in timber ground you've got acorns generally every year to some degree you've got in our area, a lot of terrain. So as soon as temperatures really start changing and getting cold, they're going to switch up their bedding. 
You've got food plots that aren't changing. They're in the same locations. But what what stays pretty consistent, I say pretty consistent, is the how the weather patterns change over, over the year, over the course of the fall, and how deer react to them, and which areas they're using at which time of the year. That's where the historical data comes in. And in those areas, when the deer start transition to get to those, if you've looked at that past data, you know, okay, I need to start focusing on this area because they're going to start using food plot X and they'll be betting on slope Y, whatever it is. But you already know that from past years. So your tree stands set, you're waiting on the right wind, you're confident that they're going to be in there. And if it comes up on camera, you're like, yep, they made that transition and you're still waiting on that wind, boom, you can go in and capitalize. But if you, if you had waited and just looked at the trail cam information from that week, that pull, that card pull, and you didn't have a stand set up, well, shoot, now you got to go in there, bust in there, put a stand up. So use that data from last year to help you this year and getting everything set up. So think about that as we're going through our hit list and talking about what we saw last year and years prior as they're getting older and how we're going to use that to help us connect on them this fall. Sounds good. Um, when we list out our hit listers, some of these are going to be past. We'll explain if we have a past history with them and then if they're kind of a new buck. And if they're a new buck, we're not going to talk about them a whole lot. We're just going to introduce them So in future podcasts. And, and we're going to have some pictures of these guys, too. Coming posted. episodes, or not yeah. episodes, but vlogs, whatever we're going to call them. Yeah. Just short videos. Yes, we said it. We're coming out with some short videos. What? What? Um, and that's that's going to be uh, something else you guys can follow along. Oh, yeah. Um, you'll you'll so, enjoy it. I, I well, they better. <laughs> yeah. We're going to pour our heart and soul into that just like this podcast. So, yep. Uh, first number, I guess, and I'll, t- and I'll share my target number one, and Matt can say his target number one for each property. Um, when we go oh to the, the home base, think, um, we've got Mesa, who's a big nine-pointer, Mule, Hippie, Flair, and the Big Eight. Now, the Big Eight, that's name is not s- settled yet. Um, Big Eight is obviously not a, a great name. We know that. But it's kind of one of those he's lower on the priority list right now because we haven't had a lot of pictures of him, but he has started showing up more lately. So we'll probably have to get creative with the name. But starting off, Mesa. Mesa is a great-looking buck, nine-pointer. Um, first off, um, and i, I got to get over to Deer Lab. Yes. Um, I was going to say, let's talk about Deer Lab a little bit because this is the program that we – used to organize, categorize, analyze some other type of lizing photos. Like this is a great storage um, software program developed to analyze in-depth deer oh. profiles, movement, mm-hmm. everything you can imagine. You can play with the with the settings and see if they're moving on. They prefer this wind to move in this area. I'm hot on it. spots. Are you or? on it right now too? I'm on it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm yeah. on Mesa's profile. Right okay. Now. Yeah. I got and so there. as we mentioned, Mesa, I'll just talk about. You know, keep in mind the these most of his pictures have came in the and during the summer months. So yes. Um, I I can filter it if I want, but as of right now, it shows him moving from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. the most. <laughs> yeah. I'm only going to get him with the spotlight, and we don't do that. So uh, then we look at areas. Uh, looks like Brushy Bottom. 
is where he's at most. Where he gets picked up that trail camera location the most. Yeah. So we go over to Wind. This is what I, I love Deer Lab for this. Like, yeah. No other software that I've experienced like this. And it looks like Southeast Wind is his dominant wind that he moves on um, at 35%. 35% so, of the times that camera is captured, or any camera is captured on your farm or the lease, he's moving with a southeast wind. That's that's interesting. This is the first time I've ever looked at Mesa's sightings. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can definitely see, Matt, that when it comes to the moon, that it, just on these pictures. Yeah, just on these ones. That, uh, that there's up. more sightings, bar none, on either a waxing gibbous or a waning gibbous. Hmm. Huh. Which is everything else is like one to two sightings. One has four. The other two, waxing gibbous and waning, both have seven. Yeah. So, and I w- that's that's I w- a whole other podcast down yeah. the road. The down moon the road. phase and and what our opinion moon is on that and all You're this gonna stuff. You're going to have to yeah. tag along for that. That's a that's a we'll three, get there three podcast thing. But yeah. Um, so yeah, and the heat map. The heat map is what's really cool about Deer Lab with um, with this buck course he's been in three locations and you can see matt and never yeah. nobody else can but if we're looking at the locations of where he's been um there's cameras all in between where we've gotten pictures of him and he's not showing up on those cameras mm-hmm. makes you wonder okay how's he getting there yeah um well and i think when you're talking about the wind um in which he which one he preferred preferred excuse me um it, it all it, it's amazing to me because of the area that he's in, it's got steep ridges and a big valley that he's spent a lot of time on. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that southeast wind does in the area that he's concentrating in. Like, how, how, do, how does that wind, why is he preferring that wind to move? Um, maybe in that area because of the, t- the terrain, he can scent more of the area. He can cover more of the area, which makes sense because it's coming up the valley. He can smell a lot more. Um, I know you all listening may not know that, but just putting it all together you know he can survey a lot more area be more secure when he's got that southeast wind um to get to these camera locations and you know that's just stuff that we're talking about deer lab can do for you on your place is analyze these different you know wind moon the heat map the different photos time timing that they're moving last Um, seen 21 days ago uh august the third that was the last time we saw mesa yeah yeah, uh, most active tended like well, gives his whole actually. Well, yeah, the, the logger, logger the logger saw him, um, yeah. really recently. on camera. Yes, most active camera. It gives a list of that area um, cameras with activity, and then most active moon face. So really cool, uh, awesome software. It is. It's it's and it's very simple to use. But, oh, for sure. So that's it on Mesa. Just a big clean nine pointer. Well, oh, and, and, and you found the shed. Found the shed last year. Of this deer in the in the area close to where we're talking about this majority of his sightings um, in that area. What was it? It was late January, mm-hmm. early February time yep. frame. Um, found it actually in the cut cornfield. Yeah, we were we were looking for sheds and just kind of walking through, and then it was like, hey, look at this thing, and like, man, that is a good shed. And we'd actually seen Mesa late season last year. Yep. Mm-hmm. It, did and, your and brother? That same, same it, yeah, spot, same same cornfield. Yep. Which is kind of the core of the three areas he's been active for in. For sure. So that kind of goes with the game plan for Mesa's. Early during the fall, he's on the western part of my farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a few pictures of him up there at night last year. Yep. And then he shifted and he was down on the lease. 
Yep. And that's kind of where he was the whole time. And, and daylight, though. And daylight. We, we had so sightings with him. Right now, Mesa's attack is if we can get him on camera early. Um, and keep in mind, right in his core area is where the main part of the logging operation is going on. Mm-hmm. And based on past history uh, and talking with clients dealing with and friends that deal with timber operations, they say it doesn't change the deer's pattern at all. It almost improves it. So he said, look for the deer in that area that their home range ties in with that logging operation to that be their core area now that there's more cover. For sure. Um, so that's our approach with Mesa, knowing that there's a good chance he shows up late season on the cut cornfield. For sure. Yep. We had we had that good uh, historical information just in hunting observations of seeing him there. And we've got corn in there again, and we're going to have cover cropped and wheat. Um, big 19-acre cornfield, and hopefully um, we'll have a great encounter with him there. Yeah. With a bow in hand in range, or even a muzzleloader. Who knows? Who knows? But he's a great deer. Beautiful nine-pointer. Just a big, beautiful southern Missouri nine-pointer. Now, yep. mule. Ooh, mule. M- mule is target number one for me on the family farm. Um, now, there are better deer, but mule is just one of those uh, found match set of his found I found an antler last year on the same cut cornfield yep and my brother ended up finding the other side on the family farm um I don't know how far apart. it was a good ways apart it was pretty good ways apart and he's very active the last two years so two years ago we had a bunch of pictures of him this last year we had a bunch of pictures of him and then course we're going in this fall or this summer we've had a bunch of pictures of him yep. so he's a very very photogenic deer he's a big nine pointer with really short brow tines like mule deer brown tines hence the name mule. mule we could call him muley but everybody's got a deer they call muley so we <laughs> called him mule um and he is really active right now on i on our lease but during the fall he always turns and gets Good. really active on the family farm and in daylight, too. And in daylight, he works a lot of scrapes. A lot of scrapes. There's a scrape line that we had a ton of pictures on him last year. Yep. And we put a stand in place mm-hmm. late season after he'd already shifted down late season to the cut cornfield. Yep. But during October and November, there's a key portion of the family farm that he was at a lot the last two years. Yep. So now we're going into historical data going, okay, during the rut, this is his area. We placed a stand that's a very, it's a stand for killing mature deer. It's an edgy stand. You go in there and you're kind of like, ooh, we're really pushing it, but the wind is just perfect. Like, yep. we have showered, we have treated our clothes, we have stored our clothes, yep. and we are threading the needle. Um, he usually approaches from the south or the north, and we hunted on a northeast wind. So <laughs> the wind is in his favor, but we're just sticking our nose in his business. So it's one of those that could pay off huge, and it's on a great scrape line. It's on. It's one of my favorite parts of it, and it probably is your favorite part of the farm, Honestly, I think. And, and, yes, for here, I'm going to tie in another thing that we've kind of done. In addition, and I think why he uses that area so much is, one, it, it, it's tough to get to. It's kind of in a corner of a property where there's an adjacent um, landowner who doesn't do anything. Like, it's untouched ground. No one goes in there. It's thick. But on your family farm, there's an area that 
recently has been enhanced. We've done quite a bit of cedar cutting in there. Mm-hmm. And then your brother and your dad this spring burned it. And there is an incredible amount of cover in that area, in that basically that we're, we're designate for many years as bedding. Food food right now, food too. Food right now, correct. Ragweed. 90% city. of ragweed. <laughs> yeah. That's and, why we're all kind of choked up because we spent a lot yeah. of time in that area. But that's kind of his core area. And, and again, this is that, that sliver of ground that's in between those two thick pieces, and it's Scrape City, and he works them. That's the place to kill him, and it is late October, November. He is absolutely killable with the right winds in that area. For sure. I don't think uh, – and then as late season shifts, he goes down to the cut cornfield because that's the main food source. Yep. Um, now, things may change because we're planting the middle field in wheat, mm-hmm. um, doing some different tests. I've actually had a guy reach out saying he wanted us to do more tests, and that's something right. we want to do. Yeah. And so we're going to be planting different species and seeing which one is more preferred and how and what we it, think on it. When you say middle field, for those not familiar with it, that is a pasture that yeah. is going to be grazed. It's grazed right now. Pretty heavy. And then we're going to be drilling wheat into that pasture. So if you've got ground that gets grazed pretty heavy um, late summertime on your place, we're, what we're doing and experimenting with is going in and drilling wheat into it to make that pasture a big open area that much more attractive mm-hmm. and then once season's over the cows are going to benefit from it bingo so it's the best of both worlds mm-hmm. um, easy sell for your dad to get on board with yeah. that yeah um that's pretty much it on mule target number one for me uh i think he's a beautiful deer oh, gorgeous um even though he doesn't score much frankly we don't care uh, and he's five no uh, right? i Is think he four and a half what, what he got on here? He was like, no, I think he's five. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe four and a half. I don't know. I haven't really studied him too much to figure that out, but um, I, he's mature. We know that. He's on the list. He's on the list, but not to say that there aren't three and a half year olds somewhere on that we're hunting that yeah. that aren't going to make the list because they are three and a half because, frankly, if they make us happy, we're going to be whacking them. Yep. Um, and Mule is one of those that he, he made the list last year, even though he could have been three. But he was just a fantastic dude. Why don't we just talk about now? That's the thing about a hit list. A hit list is it, what makes you happy. And everyone's hit list the, is different. Like My advice always, and we, how many times have you been – I've got so many pictures lately. Of course, I love some people sending me pictures yeah. on Instagram, sending them to Land Legacy <laughs> page. How <laughs> old? How old? How big? What do you think he scores? Should I shoot him? And, I, and my first question is always, would you be happy if you shot him? And if they say yeah, then don't ask any more questions. Shoot the deer. Um, don't Enjoy base it. your hit list off of what you think somebody else's hit list would be. Yeah, it is your hit list. Develop your hit list and go from there. And if you've never, uh, I had a, there, a yeah, young a young a, follower that had uh, tell that story that sent a couple nice nice bucks. He's got some really nice bucks, but he sent me another one that was a nice nice two and a half year old eight pointer. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, what do you think? And I said, great young deer, great, beautiful buck. Mm-hmm. And he goes, should I shoot him? And I said, I don't know. Would you be happy with him? He goes, well, I've never shot a buck. And I'm like, then I wouldn't hold back for <laughs> nothing. <laughs> no kidding. Um, and come to find out, I mean, he had been watching a lot of shows and, and following along and felt like that there's a lot of people that pass that deer up. And so he should pass that deer up. Mm-hmm. And I, that's absolutely not the case 
and and what we what we want our listeners to do is if you see a deer and he gets your heart pumping and you get you get your adrenaline, adrenaline pumping and you're going. like oh my goodness i'd love to shoot that deer shoot it enjoy that experience that's what carries on the tradition of hunting because it's an enjoyable experience and if you're out there to please other people then you're probably doing it for the wrong reason please 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 don't downgrade somebody else's buck yeah oh yeah you wouldn't shoot it but if they shot it and they're pumped up with it you get pumped up with them absolutely it's the experience and everyone experiences things differently it's all and it's all about perspective so if someone shoots that deer and you're like i would have passed it and they're happy extend the handshake like dude that's awesome i'm glad you had a good Mm -hmm. time we're hunters let's get along so moving on next one hippie hippie's a new buck hey that showed up uh this this summer and he's a really nice buck he is he's a big 10 pointer and he's kind of in an area that if he keeps up the pattern i think we can get on him opening day unfortunately depending on the weather right um the thing is he's really patternable right now at 7 30 in the morning uh, yeah the, and, he, and it goes dawn dusk right now he's like oh yeah i see you buddy i see you working you he's are really daylight. close to his bedding area oh yeah and he's and he's in a cool area so he's moving during daylight uh, and it may go against what now keep in mind last week we talked about humidity and now we don't hunt a lot of mornings yep and I think there comes a time where you, it's always a coin flip, basically, of going, okay, when is it go time? When do I need to move in to harvest this buck? And if this buck's still on a pattern early in the morning, like 730, during the first part of season, and we catch a day where the humidity is low and the wind is right, we're going in after him. Yep. Even though we don't hunt a lot of mornings, we're still going in after that buck. And so that's going to be the the stopwatch right now is how long is he going to stay in that pattern? Now we're coming up on the end of September, and end of August, end of August, and the beginning of September, and so we're looking at okay, it's it's really what is it? It's like 21 days. Oh, stop it! Is it something like that? Um, 20, 20 uh, It's just over 20 days till opening day here in Missouri. So if this buck stays days. on the oh on the gosh. pattern. Woo, we're going to be after him. He is a beautiful deer. We'll be posting pictures of him on our podcast. We may make a collage of all these bucks mm-hmm. and uh, so you can see him. But Hippie's a new guy. don't have much history, but he is on the hit list. Matt, is that your number one guy you'd like to shoot? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, they're all good. Man, that's the thing. It's like anyone on there is a great, great deer. Um, I like Hippie. Yeah, I like he's beautiful. I, but Flair is Flair, beautiful. I think for some reason Flair is I think has got my eye a little bit. He's, but Flair is the next one on our list, and he is very much a go back here. There he is, right there. Um, he is a nice, pretty. Uh, it sounds too pretty. simple to say. Nice, pretty deer. I was, <laughs> I was trying to pump him up, and it came out nice, pretty deer. Um, he's a great deer. He's got great brows. Um, he's just a good, clean eight-pointer. Well, he's not really that clean. I mean, he's, he's a clean eight-pointer, but he's got that kicker off his yeah. base. Um, but he's a beautiful deer, and he's also in the same area that Hippie's at. So we're kind of waiting on those deer to bust up, and we'll have a better idea of 
where they're headed and now, how we can get on them. If if the weather does cooperate and season rolls around, you've got a couple of these deer bastard grouped up. They come in. What do you do? Go. Mule. Mule. Take a mule. Take a mule. All right. Got a history with him. He means more to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, even, because, though, even though hippie would score and look a lot bigger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mule is just, you know, you build up that history with the deer, and that's just the one you want to hang your hat on it's funny how a deer can just ingrain himself in your brain and you're just constantly thinking about it Mm -hmm. what is he doing where's he at right mule i mean he doesn't score much at all no he's not that he hangs on a wall at bass pro shop and you go who hung that one up there (laughs) he's he's 115 120 um but the frame you said you're probably someone's like 115 120 on his the deer's frame is awesome on this yeah, thing. Yeah, he's he's, just, and he's mature. He's mature. But the thing is, he's got history. We found yeah. his match set. That We never found a match set on the family farm. Mm-hmm. And so I just picture harvesting him and mount. And and you know how I am. I'm not a shoulder mount guy. Yep. I don't, I'm not a big mount guy. I don't, I don't mount a lot of deer. But if they really mean something to me, then I'll mount them. Like Sticker 8 last sure. year, mounted him. Beautiful Absolutely. deer. I look at him every day. Um, Yule would be one of those deer where I would mount him and, and put those sheds next to him. Oh, it'd be and awesome. be like, okay, that that's cool. Oh, yeah. And that's why Mule is my number one. Mm-hmm. So. I like I like all of them. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, I, I love Lamp. That's what <laughs> you do. Yeah. I love, I love Hit List. Yeah. <laughs> so, Flare is the last one we talked about. Nice, cool eight-pointer. Um, and then we had the big eight yeah. on the eastern side of the farm that's been a uh, – Kind of a new guy show up. That's a really cool deer. He may be three and a half. We're not sure, but he's got a nice frame, got great mass. He, if he's four, it doesn't really matter. No. If he shows up, we're going to whack him. Um, he's he's a good deer. He's old enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and keep in mind, like, when we're managing our farm, we do pass a lot of young bucks. Oh, yeah. But we've shot sure. a lot of young bucks over the years. And so we don't really need to... For in our in our situation, it's like I don't really need. I'll shoot does for meat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to me, it's all about the management and and improving the habitat and seeing them get older and and I don't know. It's just watching them grow until they reach that where they get that sense about them where they're hard to get on. They're hard to to get in front of your stand. That's when it's fun. And uh, so the big eight is also on the list. And then we have one that's MIA that was all over it last two years. We had him all through the late season last year. I'm waiting for him to show up. That was a buck we called Beamer, another big clean eight-pointer. Um, a lot longer main beams than the other. So that pretty much wraps up. Do you got anything else you want to talk about on the hit list and in the Prairie Hollow Mansfield Farm? I think we we talked a little bit about some of the, his, the, the history we have with a lot more of these deer um, there at, at that place. <laughs> And I, 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 again, I, that is so important to what we what we do and how our hunting strategy revolves around the past data. And if you, if again, if you're someone who's who's sat and watched a deer from two, three, and he's four now, go back and study what your cameras have have picked up and what they've done because that's how that's how you need to be thinking and should be thinking and planning your fall. When's the right time to get in there, I think, but more importantly, when's the right time to stay out of there? Because mm-hmm. there's there's a prime time and there's not so prime time, 
don't waste your your hunting hours on the not so prime time areas. Mm-hmm. Get in there where, where it's right, and you got and you got the best opportunity, and, it, and you'll be more successful. As we mentioned before, too, on this whole Prairie Hollow property man, uh, family farm hunt is the logging operations going on right now. Yep. So we can say all this, and then we get some information right out of the, the gate on September 15th. We pull a card, and we're like, oh, so-and-so's here. He was here the last two afternoons, and we go in there, and he does something completely odd. But I don't see a lot of bucks doing oddball things unless there is a brain abscess or something. It's They're pretty – to me, I've always seen their patterns shift a lot the same way year after year. Mm-hmm. Here's the summer range. Here's the fall winter range. And then they go back to their summer range, and every year they kind of shift. Now, that's not to say that they don't do it, but for the most yeah. part, it's pretty pretty similar. But let's move on to Lebanon. Let's do it. Lebanon Farm is very Honestly, exciting. This is this is the one you're t- asking me, trying to figure out which pinpointed a deer on, on the Prairie Hollow Place that is top. Honestly, this Lebanon Farm has got me really, really excited. Mm-hmm. Really excited because of the sheer number of different deer that we've seen that are mature through the summer. Not have a big consistent basis with them but have just popped up and what we suspect because this farm just planted how many i don't even know how many acres roughly two fields how about that yeah, two, two large fields uh soybeans this summer soybeans to our knowledge haven't been planted there in many 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 years and it's got alfalfa probably under 30 acres 20 to 30 yeah acres. i'd say 20 to 30 and it's already got portion, alfalfa it's yeah. got beans now. It's got corn that they cut for silage and then cover crop usually with wheat and turnips and stuff like that. Um, this is a cattle farm also, yeah. we might add. Um, there's areas where the cows are that we – and the cows go into a lot of the woods. Yep, they're not, so they're not this farm off. is very unpredictable. We're not the only people that hunt this property either. No, no. And that's what goes into building the hit list too is, okay, I like that deer. Now, if we're – if we're on a thousand acre piece, we're the only ones hunting it. I don't know if we'd shoot it or not. Yeah. Um, but we do have to consider, okay, if this deer steps out in front of us, are we going to shoot it or not? Mm-hmm. And if if we pass him up, is he even going to make it through the season anyway? And basically the question is, though, are we happy with him? Yep. And so with all that being said, there's a lot more variables with this pro- with this property than, than our family farm. Um with the other people hunting it, the changing food source. Like alfalfa is a great attractant, and we could talk about, okay, we can go out there and scout and be like, oh, they're hammering the alfalfa, they're hammering the alfalfa, and then the day before season he goes in and cuts it. We Not got nothing. Not so attractive anymore. Yeah. And, or we're banking on the beans, and then he goes and cuts the beans. Yep. And we're like, uh-oh. And so the whole – that's what's so much fun to me about Lebanon. We haven't hunted it a lot, so we don't know a lot of the past history, where deer move, what's attracting. They can go in and cut the beans, cut the alfalfa, chop the corn, move the cows around. It's always changing. There, it's a puzzle, and we have a lot of pieces. How they fall or how they lay is the game. And it all depended upon timing, farming operations – frosts 
and when mm-hmm. things really turn on and when they aren't so hot anymore. And there's a creek in that property. If we get a bunch of rain, we can't hunt half the farm. Yeah. So we can't even access it. Um, yeah. And then, and then the cattle, when when they get turned in off pastures into some of the, the cut corn area or cover cropped areas, or it, it changes. A neighbor goes in and hunts and walks through the core area and pushes the deer out, and now he's nocturnal, yeah. and we don't know it. Yeah. And those are the so, challenges that a lot of people face, and we're staring them down right here on this property, but it's a fun challenge. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, we'll start out the hit list with one of the most unique deer I've ever got on my cameras. Yeah. Uh, and we toyed several names, White Fang, White Velvet. What was the other? Medusa. Medusa. But we came with a new one. Actually, my brother dubbed him this. Uh, yeah, for good reason, too. It's a hilarious story. Um, along, ah, we'll tell it anyway. Snakes is this deer's name because he's got a whole bunch of spikes that kind of ball up at the end as they were growing, so it looked like a bunch of snakes. And then the name Snakes from Home Alone. Um, Keep your no good, ugly, you dirty no good, keister off, off my, my property. property. <laughs> that was Snakes that got mowed down. So. Yeah. Snakes. 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 I, I've never heard of Snakes. I don't know of Snakes. So <laughs> that buck's name is Snakes, and he's definitely mature. Um, he's a really unique deer. I don't know what he'll score or what he will even amount to. Shoot, he could go knock them all off here in a week, and we would still be probably – try and shoot him if we could <laughs> probably um very cool we're rednecks yeah yeah <laughs> we're just legal you just you just now realize that <laughs> oh somebody said you guys not listening here's your sign yeah. so snakes um snakes is so cool um we, just, he just showed so, up this year so we have no history with him we have kind of a game plan because he's been hitting the beans so we yeah. are going to try and move in and get him while he's on that early season afternoon pattern going to the beans. For sure. Um, anything else on snakes? Uh, he's just so wild, dude. Yeah. Like, and, and he's a wild pictures card. of him yeah. all fall or all, all summer. Fall, all summer. Man, We're going to share really... some this fall with the harvest picture. Yeah. Um, so but. that's snakes. The yeah. next one is a deer. It's the wide eight, but I nicknamed him Slingshot mm-hmm. because his G3 and G2 are about the same length, so it looks like a slingshot um, out there. He's a 20 <sighs> inches wide, maybe, yes. probably even more. Just a beautiful. Now, I've always been a tall eight-pointer guy, but he's a big wide eight-pointer. Um, and he's he still flares beautiful. out on the end. Um, a great, great-looking deer. Good main beams. Not incredible tine length, but all around a great buck and mature. He, he's a he's a good deer. And he's hanging out more up to the north um, in and around that alfalfa field. That all may change, but right now that's where he's at. And um, th- that creek kind of snakes around that alfalfa field, and that's, that's a huge plus for us to be able to access where this deer and many of the other ones on we the can list. access this one a lot easier than we can snakes much easier and that creek system it's high banks we used it actually during turkey season to harvest multiple birds it's filthy it's it's very very deadly and um, that's the technique and access point that we're going to be using to get back into where these deer hopefully are going to be during the early season and sneak in got stands in place and hopefully encounter this deer if not some of the other deer 
using the northern portion of the property on the alfalfa. So it's that's incredible. a wide eight wide sling eight. shot. Slinger. And uh, it's between him and the tall eight. For you. There's For there's the big ten. The tight ten. Tight ten. That is that's probably the he score, score, he score wise. He the, he'd be he's the got biggest. the biggest tines. But, but he, he's tight. I mean, yeah. as the name says, tight ten. I think for me, it's between the eight pointer, not not the one we just not slingshot, but the other one that we just talked about or just mentioned, and tight ten are my are my so favorite. the tall eight, tall eight, and, and tight ten. Okay, Titan. Why don't we just call him Titan? We can call tight. him Titan. Titan. Tight ten. Titan. Yeah, yeah. We'll just call him Titan. Titan. We're, see, we're making up this hit list as we go. Yeah. People are going to think these aren't even real deer. <laughs> oh, no, they're just making up names and saying this. Is <laughs> oh, they call this one Soybeans, he's over there. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Call BS on that. Yeah. Um, so, Titan. Are you on? T- oh, no, you're on. You're on. I'm going eight. down my list, man. This is the tall eight. We oh. posted pictures of him. He's my number one there. Oh, he's incredible. Beautiful deer. Uh, his He's almost, you know... I think of I think of a buck when I when I look at the tines on this one. Um, he's not as massive as this one. Mark Dury had a buck years ago called Chiquita because mm-hmm. he said his his tines look like bananas and they kind of curled, curled in. in. Yeah. That's the same way this one is. They kind of curl in, and uh, he's just a beautiful deer. He's my number one. For he is sure. the classic. If you were to think of an eight point, that is this deer. He's picture perfect. He he's probably would 18, look eighteen, nineteen wide. Yeah, incredible. And, Great main beam lengths, too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he's a beautiful deer. Definitely my number one. Oh, gosh. Um, even if he was two and a half, I would be going, <laughs> okay, sign me up. That I mean, he – and what? He's four and a half at least. Yes. Oh, yeah. Great. All day long. Money. All day long. Yeah. Um, tight 10. This is a deer. And we, we suspect that – Chad saw this deer Chad, two years brother, ago. Yes. Late season – um chasing the doe wasn't it chasing the doe i don't remember he he probably told us a lie anyhow said he probably said oh i had an encounter there and then messing up our game plans no i'm just kidding but he thinks he suspects just based on the antler characteristics um two years ago he had an encounter with this deer and tight 10 is a very very large deer um obviously now very mature I'm easy saying five and a half on this mm-hmm. one. Um, he's not real wide. He's probably only 15 wide. Right. He's got 12-inch G2s and 3s, and G, G4s are five inches easy. easy. Um, brows are five inches. So he's just a good-looking deer. Uh, I don't know. I, I He hasn't been on the camera a whole lot. That's he why has I'm, not I'm banking on the other deer because this one's been kind of hit and miss all summer. But – from that historical data, we can say maybe he he's out. not summering here as much, and and later on, boom, he's going to come in. He's on the northern side of the property, but Chad yep. saw him during hunting season on the southern part. So, yep, yep. that could come into play. And uh, we're ready. Either for way, it. we're going to be pumped to put a tag on this guy. Oh, for sure, for sure. And then the Take last him. one, Mr. Magoo. Mr. Magoo. And I'll share the story on how he got his name. <laughs> he looks like a when you look at him from a distance you're like wait he looks kind of like a six pointer but i can't really no he looks like an eight so he and he's got a notch in his ear uh he just is a kind of a 
He's an interesting person, and he kind of looked like a six, but then he turned and he was an eight, and you're like, oh, and it's almost like he was. And then from another angle, you're like, oh, he's a seven pointer, first glance. So you never no. really could. It was almost like he was a a spy or like somebody who incognito. Oh, yeah, incognito. That's the word I was looking for. And then and Mr- Matt came up with Mr. Magoo because he was a spy. Come to find out, Mr. Magoo's not a spy, yeah, but we I already liked up. the name. So his name's Mr. Magoo, <laughs> even though it's not fitting. <laughs> You know what? You just you learn things when you go on to Google. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Magoo is not a spy, but this guy is Mr. Magoo, and he's a he's a good looking deer. The most impressive thing I see on him are his bases, and right there at his brows, he's got some incredible mass and almost like palmates a little bit right mm-hmm. there. That gap between he thought his it was his brow. ear, yeah, laid but, back at first, but based on the angle, but they've really kind of palmate out a little bit, and it's very very thick mass right there in that area and great threes on that deer too yeah. <laughs> really incredible threes so that's it on the on the lebanon property yep. um we've got five five of them for sure on the hit list who for knows sure. what else shows up and that, that's uh, what it's kind of a sleeper you know that property there's a lot of a lot of um creek systems and, and a lot of drains that we could talk all day long. we could make three podcasts about this property oh, sure and then a, a oddball comes storming in and we shoot it and we're like hey look we've shot a nice buck and <laughs> have no history no yeah that's the thing about this part. i don't see that happening as much on my on my farm yeah um, but when you hunt new properties and you are uh with a creek system and stuff like that, like this Lebanon and property. And wood, big wood blocks on both sides yeah. of it. You just you never, never know. really know. Never really know. Um, so that's our 2017 hit list on two of the properties we're going to be focusing a lot on. But now we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about our Kansas lease. And our good friend Richard Lee, who we hunt up there with, and... Actually, tomorrow we're going to Kansas to work on the lease prior to season. But I think it, it'd be really, hopefully, informative for people. I, I'm just curious. Everyone raise their hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm curious. Hey, guys, raise your hand. Call in. Yeah, exactly. Um, how many people, I'm sure that this is the case because we all have busy lives and we have stuff going on, Little mm-hmm. League and soccer and all kinds of stuff. So there's always a time where you're like, I need to get this work done, but it's almost season. Yeah. And this is a problem a lot of us face. And we talked about it back in the summer about things to do now so you don't have to do that in the in, in August. But here we are, and it's August, and we're talking about going to do this stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, it just, it's like, real life. <laughs> it is. And it's problems we all face unless we live on the property and we don't have a job, yeah. which almost never happens. So. Oh, yeah. Um, one day, <laughs> yeah, one day. That's the dream, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I want to be a hermit on a thousand acre family farm. Okay, perfect. Let's make that happen. No, um, but seriously, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I think we all do. Um, but the other side of that is, um, it happens for almost everybody. Well, it's it, happening for us, so it's time. Yeah. Instead of making excuses, we're going to these farm or this farm to do some work. Before deer season. Now, keep in mind, deer season doesn't – it opens up in, I think, youth season. like September 11th. First week September in September. September 11th in Kansas, yeah. 
and then turn around and and then for the rest of it's September 11th. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. so season opens up pretty quickly, but we don't make it out there usually till October. Late October, yeah. And so that's why we can afford and that's what helps us sleep at night is even though we're going out late, we're still not going to be there for a while. And and, that's, that's and a- this property is a unique property. We're not going into the core area. It's west it's north central Kansas. There's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of cover areas. Because it's a lot of crop fields around here, and the areas, the core areas where we see a lot of deer coming from, we're staying out of. Yep, yep. And obviously that correlates with how we hunt. We don't bust into all these areas. But just like Adam was talking about, Richard Lee, who we hunt up there with, he's out of Florida. He's a busy guy. He, he's he got a business. He runs um, uh, a home construction. contracting, yeah, construction business. And this is the time that he has to be able to go out there, and our schedules just match up now. So, you know, he's flying in to do some work. We're going to meet him out there, pick him up at the airport, and, and head out there and, and work this weekend. But we wanted to talk about the management strategies on a lease because there's so many people um, are, are find themselves in a situation just like we are right now trying to improve some habitat things and improve the hunting but, you know, there's some restrictions on some lease ground that you can and can't do. So let's talk about what we're planning on doing. Hopefully that will be able to correlate and give you some ideas of how to improve the hunting this fall on your lease. And let's just go get started. I think, Adam, you talked about it real briefly there. This is crop ground. This property sets itself up a lot different from surrounding areas. We've talked a lot about timber all summer long mm-hmm. and managing in timber property, but this is our chance to go, okay, we know how to hunt, or we're hunting crop ground. Yes. And, I mean, when you look around there, the only really, only really cover is in rough areas and along the river. Yep. And this property has a river run right through it. It's a big part of what we do. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But when you think about crop ground, I always think about food, my gosh, in the summer, there's beans and corn and everywhere. wheat, whatever, everywhere. And then combines start rolling out in August, September, October, and all of a sudden that food is gone, and we're looking at and lip, cover is gone, lip high. Yeah, you go from you think about all the people that have hunted, all the videos we've watched over the years, and in Illinois, I always think Pike County, Illinois, and guys are sitting there and like, well, the corn's still standing, deer aren't, we're not seeing many deer, and they're like deer out in those corn, they're bedded down in the cornfield eating corn, and they don't ever have to move very far. Um, and when so corn gets cut, then it's like game pushed on. to those wood lots and yes. those and those wooded fingers and and rivers. So that's a, a good kind. Of, I hope gives a good feel for this area. We're talking. I think I I put it on Google Earth and it was over two hundred acre field mm-hmm. in the middle of this property. Yeah. So that's that's big, monstrous. <laughs> Is field. that big? Yes. <laughs> I remember the first time I we went out there and sat in the stand over overlooking it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. If there's a deer on the – if you're standing on one side in the timber and there's a deer on the other side in the timber, you really can't see it with the naked eye. No. It takes binoculars. No, yeah. And so – For real, though. This property is covered with crops all around it, and the, the main chunks of woods and, and bedding areas are along the river and sloughs. That's yep. pretty much it. And so – now, keep in mind, food everywhere, and then once it gets cut, there's not much food everywhere. So how can we improve this property for hunting? We can plant food plots. Mm-hmm. And there's a three-and-a-half-acre field that 
doesn't really ever produce great yields for the farmer. And so it's kind of fallow field. So we're going to plant it in a fall mix. Yep. And especially this year after he's like, you know what? It's not, it's not worth my time. I'm not planting it this spring just to waste money and time and diesel on that field. I'm not doing it. So he said, have at it. Gave us permission to be able to plant a fall crop in there. And that's what we're going to do. And there's a couple of other areas um, on the place. And these are lot just smaller, a lot smaller, maybe half acre. One's even a, a quarter, if that. Um, small little areas that we've seen a lot of activity in over the past couple of years. And it's, it's a simple, we're out there three days. So it's going to be a spray, broadcast, drag, or roll kind of planting or method. Or the clover, we're just going to broadcast. Yeah, exactly. It. And, and it's that simple. And think about this property as far as when you think of timber, and I think of timber, is it's always tough to find bottlenecks and travel corridors because you've got 400 acres that look the exact same. Mm-hmm. And it's all closed canopy, and it's just a pain. But when you look at areas like crop country and wide open country, deer really bottleneck to where they travel these wood lots and these little edges. And if we can create a little food plot to steer the deer into that, yeah, to where if they're going through this 100 acre or 100 yard strip of timber and they really, it, they're in the first 20 yards or they're 100 yards deep, it, there's really no difference. But if we can take a food plot to where all the deer pass through there, they come to that food plot to check a scrape, to grab a quick bite, and then go to bedding area. That's what we're trying to do. Right. That's the, that's the whole concept of planting these food plots. We know we're not feeding the deer with these no. food plots as no. far as trying to if, – if we don't plant these food plots, the deer aren't going to survive. We're planting these food plots for a hunting strategy, and that's it. Period. And – and over the years, we've now been able to hunt out there two falls. And we've learned a lot over the fall, um, past couple of seasons, how deer are reacting in the areas that we really need to enhance and then concentrate deer. Some of these areas that the food plots, these little kill plots are going in, are, are wider. They don't bottleneck down, just like Adam talked about. So by putting them there, we know in that general area, a lot of deer are coming. But let's make it a little more attractive in a specific location we can hunt. And that has a, a opening that's already established, and let's plant that, and then just call it good, mm-hmm. and and, you know, and add a add a bio rock or some sort of mineral yeah to yeah. that area during the summer, and then you put up a mock scrape and mm-hmm. or you just make it more make, make it, it more enticing. Yes, so there's all kinds of things that they need or want in that area, and that is just I, I'm excited about that. We've never had food plots out there, um, and we've never had. You know, once they harvest the crops, it's kind of like they're going to cut bean field that's 100 acres. And yeah. you're like, I don't know where they're going or coming from, but yep. that's the plan. So this year is going to change that up. So when we go out there this weekend, we're going to be spraying, broadcasting, getting food plots in. And, and that's another point right there is all those techniques. Like some, I know there's a lot of people, a lot of our friends that have other leases that they go to. And it's like, I have a weekend to be able to plant. I can't, you know, I can't spend all weekend spraying or mowing and disking and then planting and then Colts packing, all this other stuff. Like, I have very limited time, and we have other stands that we need to hang and move. So doing this, like, spray, go in and broadcast, and roll, that technique, that system can be done very, very quickly. And even if you're not planting big species, like, let's just say you want to stick to clover and brassicas, you don't need to roll it. No. You can just broadcast it on the ground. They're such small seed, they will 
get into this to the seed bed at the appropriate depth. Mm-hmm. And this is the other thing. We have you checked weather? Is there rain coming shortly after? I think, I think so. there's a I think there's a chance on Tuesday yeah. after we leave. But either way, this was our time to plant. So if you're if you're planting the the, the grasses like the um, the wheat or an oat or something, and you want to cover that seed, you want to do the rolling. That's also going to help if there's soil moisture conserve that until you do get a rain. Again, if we didn't if we didn't have rain coming in like Tuesday time frame. Um, you know, that, that's our option. That's what Sunday. we have to do. Sunday. There's, there's rain, rain on Sunday, Saturday night, actually. So well, we'll be planting on Friday on s- and Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. But that's that's the thing that you you can't control. You ha- you know when you can go out there. You're scheduling it most likely months in advance or, or whatever. If you're a non-resident or you just have to travel a long ways, you do what you can and you make the best of it. And It's all about finding the quickest way to get things done. Quickest for, and, and the biggest bang for your buck. Exactly. And exactly. for us, the food plots is a big bang for our buck because we're steering the deer. Another thing we're doing to steer deer. Yes. Not to jump ahead, but we have no. other stuff on the list. But we are, uh, I think we're coming up on an hour, so we're going to boogie through this. But um, we're going to be hinging trees to steer the deer as well. So we talked about, let's say we have a 100-acre strip, and we have a, let's say we walk 20 yards in to a little opening that's a food plot. So we want those deer to go through that. You said 100 acre, 100 yards. 100 yard strip. Yep. And we walk 20 yards in. So there's another 80 yards past the food plot that we don't want the deer really to be walking through there a lot. We want them in range. We want to send them through range. So we're going through. We have the landowner's permission to hinge cut some trees that aren't going to ever provide any profit to him. So hackberries and little old dogwoods or mulberries mulberry out there um honey locusts yep that's every other tree out there (laughs) and we're going to cut those trees and hinge some of those trees and fall them in a direction to where the deer don't really want to walk through it it's a little bit of an obstruction it's an obstruction they kind of have to fight to get through it and it just makes it easier for them to go now towards the food plot exactly it encourages that much more and it's as simple as it could be Three trees you need to hinge over a couple paths or trails that are outside of your effective range. Bump them down closer to that stand. Encourage them to walk through there. And it's that simple. And in Kansas, this we've seen this year in and year out out there. There's so many deer. There's so many trails out there because you go from cover everywhere and food in the summertime to it's gone, it's harvested. And then what wooded areas you have is just an influx of deer. So you have a lot and they have a lot of option on where they can go. So by putting these little obstructions in the trails will make hunting this hundred, hundred yard, um, strip much more effective. And even there's other areas that are much larger than a hundred yards that we're still, um, going to be hinging on and pushing deer and falling deer. Just, just that knock and that a little more encouragement to come within range. Um, now, they don't know they're coming within range because we're accessing the right way. But those are the little techniques that you can use to improve it with very little work. Sometimes you can do it with a handsaw or we are going to oh, take a chainsaw. Lord help us if we're out there with a handsaw. <laughs> we got chainsaws loaded up. Um, but you can yeah, do it with learned. a little quick, sharp handsaw and cut little trees. But yeah. um, you can drop some big trees and really change some travel patterns. Sure. So by adding the food plot, the mock scrapes, the minerals – um, and then hinging trees, we can take that 100-yard strip of timber 
and turn it into a 40-yard gap that's all within range. That's what the whole goal is, to take a an already good transition area and turn it into a great bottleneck. For sure. And then also while we're out there, we got to put out some more cameras. Yep, we, we have to take a little more little more inventory on what's out there. And that, that, of course, we see it every year, just like we talked about when, when grain is harvested and crops are harvested. It changes. We have a huge influx of deer um, come to, to use that property. Um, so we're just going to get a snapshot of what we got out there. And, but, and position cameras, so when we do hunt, you know, we're, we're able to pull a lot of good information off of them. That's going to help this us. This time of year, a lot of people have their cameras on minerals. Yes. And when we go out there, we're not going to go ahead and stick them on minerals and in, no. in other areas where we already have established mineral sites. But we're going to stick them on these mock scrape areas, mineral sites, mm-hmm. where they're both in frame and it's already in a transition area. Yep. Um, some of these spots, like we think of the secret greenfield, mm-hmm. that's a little bitty area that has a great a great tree right in the middle of the little opening that yep. they scrape all around. Yep. And we're just going to go ahead and get 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 the camera on it so when they really do start scraping here in a month, then we already know who's in the area. Oh yeah. That's I mean, it's you, getting it's it's priming yourself getting the intel since you've been away that when you do start hunting, you're ready. You've and, got and it. And they may not be, I mean, we're putting lithium batteries in these cameras and Yeah. Um, that's kind of the whole concept is just even though we're in there in August, we're preparing for late November, October. Late October. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which is when we're going to be in the stand. Dude, I'm pumped. That that place <sighs> is incredible. You know, last year we've, we, we've seen really good deer every year we've been out there. And you you harvested a nice buck out there yeah. on a spot and stock, kind of <laughs> a unique hunt. Yeah. Um, and we didn't know that deer was there. Nope. And so we really kind of it's it's along the Republican River, and so even though we may put the cameras up and say, okay, we have this deer, this deer, this deer, an oddball could come in and go, whoa, who's this oh, yeah, guy? For sure. Um, Chad and Richard saw a really nice buck last mm-hmm. year, and n- as far as we know, he's still with us this year, so um, he'll be a fantastic deer to tag. But. Um, there's That's one. kind of our whole our whole plan for this weekend. We're going to hang stands. We got a, a few stands. A, a few new stands we need to hang. Um, and the the place where we're hanging is because of the the information we've gained over the past couple of years. And due to the river that cuts through the the center of this property, we've seen the most activity close to the river. Mm-hmm. The density of deer that are on that river, traveling that river, um, through this time frame, through early to mid-November, is incredible. There's great habitat, great places to hunt on the northern section that's 1,000 yards off the river. We've had good encounters, but when we're talking about bang for the buck, it's down there on the river. And so what we're doing this year is changing our access a little bit and how we're hunting we're not going to be hunting as many um, mornings as we are on the river. We're going to save the northern portion of the property for mornings. Because what we've realized is we're doing, a, because we have to access through the river and cross through quite a bit of the um, property to get there, because it's tough to access, we're doing a little more damage than probably what we're doing good. 
even though we hunt it for a week and a half or so, we know by, after the first hunt we've already conditioned the deer to where they're like, they're Whoa, like hey, it's a little something on? different, yeah. So we've we've realigned, re-strategized our approach this year to hunt more mornings on the northern section and in this other finger of the property, and then save the river hunts where we can get in and get out a lot better for the evening. And I think that just by not going in and diving headfirst, even though it's November, you have a week out there, it is still time. You still have to keep in mind that I there's areas I can't go just headfirst in. I need to step back and know that I'm, I'm doing some damage to my haunts as if I'm accessing this in the morning or vice versa, wherever it's at or, you know, how, how your property sets up. So we're re-strategizing. And I think Always. that's going to pay a huge dividend to us this fall. And I think that's to keep that in mind for every property we're on and even our even my farm that I've hunted mm-hmm. my entire life is to never assume that we've got the exact strategy down. Like there's always something to tweak. For sure. Now tweak each food plot. There's some food plots where I feel like, okay, that's, that's how it's set up. We're in the right tree. We've got the right screen. This is perfect. Now that's why I like hunting new properties because it's always a challenge to get it set up correctly. And the Kansas property has been a whole new ball game. Like we've seen a lot of good deer. We, Oh, we've been so close on so many times, but I always feel like we're just a little bit behind the plan. Yep. And, so if you're looking for ways to improve your farm, one of the biggest ways is to assume that you're not right the way you're doing it. Always look for a better way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we're always looking for a better way on this Kansas property for sure because I've never felt like we've had it under control. Like, okay. We fully understand it. it it's a it's a very unique property. It, it, it lays unique. The timing, the density of deer, the cover that's there, the food that's there. Even though it's Kansas, it is very it, – it, we've found it is difficult to say this tree. Mm-hmm. This is where it's going to happen. Yeah. There's so many variables, especially at that time of the year. It's a great time to hunt. Great time. But there's so many it's variables in the air. because it's not really – we're trying to base it off of patterns. And it's it's patterns of – food to cover but it's the rut exactly so it all changes so much like and we could be we could be like oh we've got them figured out and drive back to the hunt house and there'd be a giant that runs right across that we've had on camera all week out in the middle of the pasture yeah so it's a very interesting property but this weekend's going to be a lot of fun a lot of work yeah. um, but hopefully it's putting us one step closer to getting some giants on the ground out there oh hopefully it's gonna um, be a fun time we, we always have a good time out in kansas with Richard and your brother, and uh, it's just fun. We're have a, a good weekend, and most likely next week, kind of wrap up what we what we covered, what we did out there. Yeah, I think that uh, just an, another reminder that um, in the coming weeks we're going to be shifting over to the Nine Finger Chronicles RSS feed in iTunes. Um, and Make so sure you subscribe you need to, to them. subscribe to Dan's podcast over there. That way you can follow along because uh, you won't see us in our normal location. Yep. In the coming weeks. So just go ahead and start making that shift. And uh, hopefully you guys got a lot of, out of this podcast, uh, building the hit list, all the things that you need to consider when building the hit list, and then also things that you could be doing this time of the year to get ready for hunting season. 
do's and don'ts with that. And if you have any land questions, let us know when it comes to Mossy Oak properties. If you got any questions, got you're looking for a piece, let us know. We'd love to help you out. And not only that, yeah. Remember that we are land specialists, yeah, consultants, whatever you want to call us. Um, we travel around. That's one of the. That's what. That basically, that's what pays the bills. That's what we love. That's why we. Oh, that's what allows it. us to do this. And so, uh, if you guys have any questions or you, you're considering hiring somebody, give us a shout. Shoot us an email. And then also follow us along on Facebook and Instagram. All right, that pretty well wraps it up for this week. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Land Legacy's Hunting and Habitat Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out at landlegacy.tv. You can submit a viewer question right there, and we're answering the podcast, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Feels pretty good knowing that from the beginning of time, God has called us to be a caretaker, gamekeeper, a manager of the land. So with that being said, don't you think we should do it all for the love of the land and the glory to God? Mm-hmm.